Every human soul thirsts for life, for meaning, and for relationship, to be fully known and fully loved. This waterfall represents what we see in the scripture as what God offers as living water, a refreshment that's designed to give us abundant life. On the other hand, this bottle, which looks like it should be refreshing, contains salt water. And it's a contrast between what God offers us and what we see in the world and what we often pursue on our own. When we're trying to satisfy the thirst of our soul with the things of the world, it's like sipping salt water. When we look at the scripture here, today we're going to examine John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. And we see a woman who is just like us, just like me, who's been trying again and again to quench the thirst within her soul for relationship in pursuit after pursuit. And just like with salt water, the more that she drinks, the more thirsty she is. But Jesus encounters her and offers her living water, abundant water, a life overflowing with meaning, with purpose, and with relationship that she so hungered for. Let's open the scriptures here and look at John chapter 4 and discover how Jesus offers you and I living water. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them 
will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Jesus' face-to-face -face encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria has incredible application for you and I because ultimately it's a picture of God pursuing us. You see, the scripture says that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. It says that in Romans 5.8, and it goes on in verse 10 to not only say that we were sinners, but that we were enemies. We were so separated by our rebellion from God that God came after us. He chased after us in order to bring us back to a relationship with Him. When I think about the story of the woman at the well and Jesus, what comes to mind first is how Jesus is pursuing her. He begins the narrative of saying he must go to Samaria. Now, Samaria wasn't the shortest way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem where he was headed. You had to go a little bit out of the way to, to get there. And it was a place that in general was avoided by the Jews because there was so much tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Let me try to give you a little bit of the, the backstory of that friction because it paints the picture in a beautiful way to help us see just how much God loves us and just how far He's willing to go to pursue us. The Jews and the Samaritans had been in tension for hundreds of years. That tension reached its peak about 103 BC when un, during the, the Maccabean period, the Jews destroyed the temple at Mount Gerizim, which was the holy place for the Samaritans. And so the Jews had destroyed their most sacred place. Now the Samaritans themselves are an interesting group because the scriptures reveal in 2 Kings that 
this is a group of individuals that partly had been taken away captive and then they had interbred, intermarried with different nations and the king of Assyria had sent them back into Samaria in order for them to repopulate the area and give some control to the king of Assyria. Over time, they began to adapt and change. Um, one of the things that the king of Assyria noticed was that they were being attacked by lions. The scripture in 2 Kings gives us a clear account of that. In fact, let me read that to you. And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kuthoth, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them. It goes on later on to, to give the instruction that the king then sent a priest to go and teach the peoples of Samaria the law of the Lord. As a result, the religion of the Samarians was partly Jewish, partly based on the first five books of the scripture or the Torah, and partly uh, a gathering of the religions that came from the nations. And so the Jews not only saw them as a different race because they were um, made up of Babylonians and mixed breed people, they weren't purely Jewish, but they also weren't purely religiously Jewish either. They only followed those first five books of the, of the Torah, not the writings and the prophets um, and the rest of the Old Testament. And so there was a great um, friction between them. If you want to get a, a really a feel for what that was like, all we have to do is look at a map of modern day Israel to see that where this city, Sychar, is in Samaria is right in the middle of the West Bank. So if you were to imagine the Israelis and the Palestinians, the friction that they often have, that would be very similar to what we see here in the friction between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so it was very real. In fact, it got so intense that they wouldn't even share the same vessels. One of the reasons why the woman at the well asks Jesus and says, you don't have anything to draw water with is because normally a Jew would not drink from a container that a Samaritan was using and vice versa. Unfortunately, the racism was incredibly strong. And so there was a bitterness there. So for Jesus to go and be intentional, and that's the part that stands out to me so much, he had to go to Samaria. He had to have this appointment with this woman. Because you see, it's a picture of how God is pursuing you and I. He loves us so very much that he was willing to go all the way to the cross. He was willing to die for us, to bring us back into a relationship with God. And not just a relationship, but he wants to fill our life with abundant joy, with eternal life that is exemplified in the scripture by living water, by water that is running and refreshing and soothing and peaceful that restores our soul. That's the image that Jesus is offering to the woman and it's the life that he's offering to you and I as well. Something that's incredibly satisfying and meaningful. Well, in our scripture account, in verse 10, we see that, that Jesus is very, very specific about what he's telling the woman. 
Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus takes what begins as a conversation about physical water because he was physically thirsty. He had traveled 65 kilometers in order to get to this well. And, and, and so he had spent a day and a half traveling. He would have been tired. It's the heat of the day. It's right in the middle of the day at, at noon. And so he was, he was tired and he was thirsty. You see, Jesus is fully God, but he was fully human as well with all of the weaknesses that our flesh has. So physically he was thirsty, but he uses that need of, that he has physically to speak to the need that the woman has spiritually. That's what God often does. He often uses our physical needs as a bridge to draw our attention to deeper spiritual needs within us. We've seen that in the face-to-face encounter with the man, the paralyzed man, who was carried to Christ. It happens all the time. That's one of the reasons why this season that we're in of quarantine and social isolation is so important, both for us individually to examine our lives spiritually to see where we are, to see how God's trying to get our attention, and also for us to reach out and be Jesus' hands and feet as his church in touching the lives of others who are in need. There are many people that are going through financial loss right now. They've lost their job. We want to find ways to stand alongside of them, encourage them, help provide for them. There's others that are going through sickness or just loneliness and depression. This is a time for us to reach out and pursue them in love in the same way God has pursued us. Jesus went against all the social norms when he had this divine appointment with the woman at the well. First of all, he went to a people where there was conflict between their races. Secondly, he did what a rabbi would never do. He sat down to have a conversation with a woman. And not just a woman, but a woman who by her own admission was not married, but was living with a man who wasn't her husband. Jesus broke down all of those barriers in order to show love to someone he deeply cared about, this woman at the well. He pursues us in the same way. That's one of the things that I find so amazing is that God is the one who seeks us. As we listened to the scripture earlier, did you hear the, the... way that Jesus phrased real worship, where he said that those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. They had had a dialogue, a discussion about where the right place to worship is, whether as the woman thought there on Mount Gerizim or as the Jews taught in Jerusalem. And Jesus transforms the conversation to say it's not about where, it's about who and about how we worship. And in that context, when he says those who worship God, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He goes on to say, for such are the ones that the Father is seeking to worship Him. God's seeking you. He's pursuing you and I. That's the first point in this incredible passage that we need to remember. And He's pursuing people around us that we might not expect. For the disciples or any other teacher that day, the last person on the earth that they would have thought would have been interested in spiritual things was a woman who'd been married five times of Samaria. But Jesus saw her heart and saw that what she had been searching for all along was relationship, a relationship that would only be filled by 
a personal faith relationship and encounter with God through Jesus Christ. Same's true for us. Oftentimes the people that we think would be the farthest away may be the most spiritually open. So don't allow fear to keep you from sharing what God is doing in your heart and life and the hope that He offers to others because God is pursuing them just as He was pursuing this woman at the well. That's the first thing. The second thing that we see is an understanding that the salt water of this world will never satisfy the thirst of our soul. This woman had gone through five marriages and now she's in another relationship with a man that she's not married to. And the indication of the, of the original language is perhaps it was an adulterous relationship. He may have been married to someone else. We don't know for sure, but that's a bit of what it suggests. Now, oftentimes when this is preached, the woman comes out with a bad reputation, but I, I, I see it slightly differently. You see, within her culture, she would not have been able to have divorced her husband's. And we don't know whether some of them died and she was a widow or whether they left her and abandoned her. Because within the culture of the first century, it was only the man who could initiate a divorce. In some way, she had gone through five broken relationships, all of which were initiated either by the death of a husband or by him leaving and rejecting her. Can you imagine the sorrow within her? And yet she kept repeating the same pattern over and over again. You see, that's what happens in our life when we try to find satisfaction in the things of the world. She was trying to find fulfillment in a relationship. And just like drinking salt water, as she tasted of it, she realized that she was more thirsty. And so she did it again and again and again, and it became a cycle. The same thing could be true in us. It may not be a relationship that we're pursuing to find satisfaction in. It could be our career, could be comfort, could be a, a sin area in our life, a habit in our life, could be alcohol or drugs, can be all kinds of different things that we're seeking to find life in, but it's just like sipping salt water. It can never ever refresh. God offers us something more. The woman of Samaria had been sipping the salt water of sin for so long, she likely didn't think she could ever experience real life. And then she has an encounter with Jesus that changes her. And one of the reasons why she was perhaps so transformed that in just a few verses later, she goes and tells everyone in her village what Jesus had done for her. Maybe one of the reasons was that she was already searching for a savior who looked like Jesus. You see, for the Samaritans, their idea of the Messiah was considerably different than the Jews. The Jews had evolved in their understanding of what Messiah was like, and they had added to the scripture in a sense in that they were looking for a political leader. They were looking for a king that would set them free from foreign rule. But the Samaritans, as they only had the first five books of the Bible, their focus on what the Messiah was, who he was, and what he was like, was directed more by the words of Moses in Deuteronomy. And so their idea of the restorer, which was the term that they used, Taheb is the name that they would have called him, is different. They were looking for someone that would reveal truth. 
that would show them what right worship of the Lord looked like. They were looking for one who was connected, actually, with living water, someone that would quench their thirst. And so the idea, whether she knew it consciously or not, the picture in the scripture behind the restorer, the Messiah, was one that was directly connected with living water. Let me give you some information, a little bit about what the scriptures reveal in the Old Testament about the Messiah, the one that the woman at the well was looking for. The Samaritans only held to the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, but they had an idea of living water that was directly connected to the Messiah. They called his name Teheb the Restorer the one who would bring back order to the world. And one of the signs of Taheb was a provider of water that overflowed. The Samaritan's hero was Jacob, the one who had built the very well that they were sitting at. It was said that his well at Haran overflowed with running water for 20 years. And so their understanding of the Messiah was directly connected to Jacob. And the restorer would be connected with living water as well. The book of Numbers in chapters 23 and 24 has a series of prophecies that point to the coming Messiah. They include the sign that a star would rise in Jacob and a scepter in Israel, but also in Numbers 24, 7, that he will be a source of flowing or living water. In the Samaritan liturgy for the Day of Atonement, it says that of the restorer, that water will flow from his buckets, living water. To begin to see why this connected, that Jesus was very intentional about a message that he had for the Samaritan woman. He was speaking directly into what she understood of the Messiah. It was not a chance encounter at the well. It was a divine appointment. So when Jesus makes this statement about being the living water, He is connecting to her understanding of the Messiah. He meets her where she is in her spiritual understanding. And it's so important that we connect with people in the same way, that we meet them where they are and recognize that God is pursuing them. God is looking for them. God desires to quench their thirst. He desires to quench your thirst as well because all of us are thirsty. We're all crying out in different ways, I thirst. It may be in the area of looking for recognition, for significance, for relationship. There's all different kinds of ways that our life cries out, I thirst. But if we try to quench that thirst with the things of the world or with sin, it's just like sipping salt water. It leaves us more and more thirsty. See, that's what happens and that's how people get caught in addictive behaviors especially is at first alcohol or drugs or sex or other or gambling. They can have a a way that seems satisfying at first. It touches something in them and has a spark. But unfortunately, it leaves them more and more empty and, and you have to pursue more and more of that sin in order to get the same level of satisfaction. That's not true with Jesus. What He promises to be is a source of living water within us that is constantly available to quench your thirst, to bring refreshment to your heart and to your soul. That's what He was offering to the woman of the well. That's what He's offering to you also. 
This image of living water is not just one that in nature is refreshing. It's a picture that's all through the scripture. Jeremiah 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The image here is that the people of Israel, instead of relying on their relationship with God, had sought after other gods. They had sought after the things of the world. And so, in essence, it was like having broken water storage tanks. That's what a cistern is, where mud and filth would creep in and contaminate the water. And so even the refreshment that they did have, even what they did know of God, became polluted. That can happen in our life as well. When we allow the things of this world, the things of our flesh, when we allow sin to pollute our lives and rob us of the relationship that God has for us. Instead, we're to desire God with a pure thirst. Listen to what it says in the Psalms. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Every human being has a spiritual thirst that they long to have quenched. Our souls thirst for God, the water that Jesus offers. There are five things in this passage that Jesus is offering to the woman and that through her and through this encounter is offering to you and I through a faith experience with Jesus. Listen to them. First of all, it is a gift. It is a gift. It's not something that we can earn. There's nothing that we can do to have a right relationship with God. In verse 10, Jesus says, If you knew the gift that I have for you and who I am, you would ask of me. And that's what God asks us to do. It's to simply ask Him for salvation. Ask Him for life. To not try to earn it, not try to be better, not try to clean ourselves up through performance, but to simply humbly ask. Secondly, it's living water. He said in the second part of the verse, He would have given you living water. Water that's filled with life, with refreshment, with satisfaction. It's not stagnant or stale. It's not like salt water. It refreshes the very deepest part of your soul. That's what God offers to us. Thirdly, if you drink of it, if you receive the gift that Jesus is offering, you will never thirst again. That is, it's always there to satisfy you when your longing soul is thirsty. That's what it means. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He will always be there. Now we may get distracted, but God will always be there and He pursues us and He is willing to refresh your life and my life. Fourthly, and this is so beautiful, the water becomes a spring. In verse 14, it says, the water that I give Him will become a spring of water. That's why we never get thirsty again. Not because one drink is enough, but because one true drink produces a well for eternity from which we can be refreshed in our relationship with God. But not only that we can be refreshed, that we can refresh others. You see, God fills us with His life, with His Holy Spirit. That's ultimately who the living water is. And then He pours out our life our living, our love, our grace, his, his working through us into the lives of others. And fifthly, 
The water gives eternal life to you and I, a relationship that can never be broken. Every human soul thirsts. The water of life, though, is thirst-satisfying, life-preserving, sin-cleansing, fire-quenching, soul-refreshing, and life-giving. God wants you to have that kind of relationship with Him. Listen to what Jesus said in John 7, just a couple of chapters later as He goes to Jerusalem. At the end of His journey, which He stopped in Samaria for, He was headed to Jerusalem for the festival. Look what He says in John chapter 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, this is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus uses the same imagery now in a different audience that's there celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, which was centered in part around the idea and the symbol of living water. And he's saying this picture, this idea of God dwelling with you is fulfilled in me and it finds its ultimate fulfillment in you trusting in me and having the Holy Spirit come and live in you as living water. That's what happens in salvation. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and choose to serve Him as your Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and inside of me. And He is there to continually refresh us and give us life. The thing that we most long for, abundant, refreshing life, He gives to us and living within us. What a beautiful picture. Have you ever trusted in Christ? I want to urge you to do so today. If you have spiritual questions about that, if you're not sure about what all this means, would you simply put some information there in the comments on Facebook or send us an email at drew at icprog.cz. We would love to walk alongside of you, to encourage you, and to have you experience what God offers you, this abundant, life-giving, refreshing, living water that's found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The salt water of this world, no matter how much we drink, will never satisfy us. The only one that can truly refresh our souls is God Himself. My challenge for you today is test Him. Try Him. You've tried everything else. Why not try the Lord today?